Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou and this is the place to come to keep your Frenchy vibes going and help you lose yourself in France without even leaving home. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences with guests who live in Australia, France and around the world and share ideas for how to stay connected to the Francophile within you. Today's guest has chatted with me on the podcast before and has traveled with me in France a number of times. Coucou, ma belle amie, Karen Gruby, ça va? Ça va, bonjour Lou, ça va bien, merci. Ah, ça va bien aussi, merci. Now, Karen, we have been together in Paris a number of times and have also travelled there with other friends or alone as well. You chatted to me about one weekend that you and I had there where we worked through a list that you made of all the places to drink champagne in Paris way back in Little Bell's Francophiles episode four. Now, you're quite brilliant with your research and I have benefited from it a bunch of times. So today we're going to talk about some general tips for travellers to Paris as well as chat about some more tucked away nooks and crannies that would really excite our Francophile friends. So the thing I'm most often asked is how to choose the type of accommodation to suit when planning a trip to Paris. What is your preference, hotels or Airbnbs? I prefer hotels when I stay in Paris. Often the hotels offer a bed and breakfast option. Mm. Although my advice, unless you're travelling maybe in the middle of winter, is to just take the hotel room only mm -hmm. because a lot of the hotels, they're fairly small and they have their breakfast rooms underground. So you don't really get to see the sun or the sky or oh. the people, which is sort of what Paris is all about, watching all the people. The only really nice thing is if you're lucky enough to have a room with a balcony, then to sit up in the sun and have room service brought up is really a lovely thing to do. Yes. Well, I prefer B&Bs most of the time. So you and I are a little bit different like that. Although I do know when traveling by yourself, a hotel can be a safer option because they've got a concierge there. But I like the feeling that I'm traveling and living like a local. But sometimes on a trip when I've returned from regional France to fly home from Paris, I have always booked a hotel for the last night because it's a great idea before flying out the next day. I don't want to pay for a night of accommodation and then not get a day of sightseeing in as well. So I've always booked a late flight so I don't lose that sightseeing day. But with an Airbnb, there's nowhere to leave your baggage for the day. Whereas with a hotel, they usually have secure storage for your luggage and then you just go back and collect it when you're on the way to the airport. But I agree about the brekkie. I'd rather go and grab breakfast from a cafe than sit in an underground or closed-in breakfast room of a hotel. Absolutely. Paris is definitely for people watching. Mm. Um, you can spend hours, you know, just sitting in a coffee shop mm. and nearly every corner of Paris has got a cafe where you can get a breakfast, a coffee, croissant juice or a baguette tartine. Yes. My favourite is the Café de Flor in the 6th arrondissement. Mm. It's one of the oldest in Paris and inside the decor is very art deco still with red seating. Yes. And apparently Picasso used to go there as well and today a lot of more of the modern celebrities can still oh. be spotted every once in a while. But I love going on a Sunday morning really early because you'll get the locals who actually mm. live in that part of Paris and they just seem to know everyone. It's just like a coffee shop here where you mm. tend to, you know, the people who go regularly. Mm. And it's just lovely to see you know, be part of the real local scene, I guess. Yeah. I know that we went there for breakfast and we had such a beautiful time and I love a place where you can go and you can hear all of the locals chatting to each other and I love eavesdropping on that French language mm -hmm. and seeing how much of it I can understand. It's a really lovely thing to do. Absolutely. The other thing that's really nice, the waiters at the Café de Flora are so pristine. 
they just look like they've walked off a, a French movie set, so that's mm. always lovely. But if, look, sometimes time isn't on your side and if you prefer to walk, then you can grab a coffee at a place like Eric Kaiser Boulangerie, which is in mm. the 6 R&D Smart, although I think he does have a few other cafes or boulangeries around. And then you can get a croissant takeaway and a coffee, which they call apporté is the French word, I believe, for takeaway. There's just so many great places for breakfast if you're planning to have it on the go. My fave on one trip was a little boulangerie on the Ile Saint-Louis where I got a pomme de terre au gratin, which is a really beautiful potato and leek and bacon layering with a creamy, cheesy sort of sauce, and it's so warm in a little takeaway wooden box. It has a gorgeous great big glob of goat's curd on top as well, and it's divine for the gluten-free traveller too. But it's just a lovely thing to walk and eat or take and go and sit in a park or sit on the side of the river and then go and continue your day. Sounds delicious. Mm. So when breakfast is done, then for the first time traveller, it's important to go to the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and mm. you know, a number of other famous, well-known Paris destinations. Mm. But if you want to see a smaller treasure of Paris, the Nissan de Commando is a fabulous house um, in the 8th arrondissement. Nissan de Commando, okay, in the 8th. Yes. It's not far from the Champs-Élysées and the Parc Monceau. Mm-hmm. And it's a very old house built in about 1911 by a banker, the Comte Moise de Commando. Mm-hmm. And it was to show off his 18th century French furniture and art that he'd collected over the years. And it was inspired by the Petit Trianon at Versailles. Oh, I love the Petit Trianon. <laughs> yeah, so it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. And the day that I went, there were so few tourists, which is also a rare thing in Paris to find somewhere where you're like the only one in a room in that, which is lovely. Mm. The, the Comte bequeathed his house to the Les Arts Decorative after his son was killed during World War One, oh. And then unfortunately more tragedy struck because his daughter and her family all died in Auschwitz. (gasps) Yes, so all the rooms are just as like the family was still living there, even the kitchen. When you go down, you see the bells on the the wall and Mm. all the copper pots and then the table set just like the servants are about to sit down and have lunch or dinner Mm. or something. It's really lovely, a true treasure of Paris and well worth a visit. And also I believe is on the Paris Museum Pass which is always good to know too. Yes. What a story though. So Nissim de Commando in the 8th, I will place a link for that on the website. You know, knowing the history behind a place like that really strengthens the connection when we visit it, I think, and it it kind of deepens our whole Paris experience in some ways. Absolutely, for sure. I also think that a trip to Paris sometimes becomes more special when you manage to find the perfect souvenir. Yes. I was able to find a beautiful hat at a place called La Cerise sur la Chapeau in the 6th arrondissement. I was very lucky to find her shop, which Mm. I researched before I left Melbourne, and then she actually made a hat to go with a dress I was wearing to a wedding on my return to Melbourne. So the hat's white and then you choose the grain ribbon to suit or match your outfit. So. That was all really lovely and something a bit different to do when you go to Paris too, worth a visit. What a beautiful souvenir to take home and a lovely story to share (laughs) with all your friends about how you got it when you're wearing your hat. I love that. Um, Another trip to Paris, I was looking for side tables for my bedroom. Mm -hmm. So uh, with my girlfriend, we went on the metro to the Marché 
or Puste Kligner Court, mm. which is a very famous, enormous market area of Paris. It's only mm. about 20 minutes, maybe half an hour on the metro, mm. um, and it's just out of the periphery of Paris. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing place to visit. It's filled with antique shops as well as lots of little stalls. And some of the shops are amazing. They have this gilt furniture that it looks like it's come straight out of a palace. Mm. One had a gold bassinet that could have been easily in place at a, you know, the Palace of Versailles, for example. There's also many stalls that sell cutlery and furniture and they all seem to specialise in their particular thing, which is just lovely to wander around even if you're not looking for anything in particular. Absolutely. But when you become tired, it's nice to stop for lunch and my girlfriend and I had stopped and had a lovely galette which was a buckwheat crepe, and I think it was filled with cheese and ham and rocket and lovely. really lovely. Lovely. Mm. J'adore a galette. There are little caravans in the Jardin de Luxembourg where they sell galettes as well. They sometimes have um, ham and then they crack an egg into it or all sorts of different things, but they fold the four sides of the crepe. They fold the four sides in to make it square and the part in the middle is where they have the melted cheese and I think it's a really lovely little dish. So you mentioned Clignacourt. For francophiles who are into Bricot, that is an absolute treasure trove. There are also many villages in regional France where they have Bricot markets with some villages specialising in it, such as Lille Salasorg, which I went to with my partner Paul down in Provence near Avignon, and also in other cities, like I know in Lyon, there's a whole area which is just swimming in Bricon. In the St. Paul area of Paris, on the right bank in the Marais, there are many little Bricon boutiques as well. If you don't have the time to go all the way out to Clignacourt, there I have bought little vintage trinkets to bring home, just tiny little items. Like I bought some beautiful little Limoges plates that I've put on the wall and some 1950s vintage pearl earrings, which were gorgeous. But sometimes the best souvenirs are not expensive. We mentioned Café de Flore earlier and Remember I took the table mat from there when we had breakfast? It was a round piece of paper with a divine little sketch on it of the Saint-Germain-de-Prey area. And I also took some table mats from other cafes, I think when you and I went to... Latteray. Latteray, that's right. So I took the table mat from there and I also did another time when I was with Paul, I took the table mat from Les Deux Magots and I had them all framed when I got home. So they were just things that were paper so they were light to carry home and I had a little postage tube that I put them in and they were free but then I got them framed and now they hang on my walls and they remind me of the beautiful times that I spent there so there are ways that you can find treasures that don't have to cost the earth or even just have your trip have some more expensive experiences and some cheaper experiences and put them together and it becomes quite divine Absolutely. There are some inexpensive ways to make lasting memories in Paris, that's for sure. Mm. Lou, you and I spent some wonderful time wandering through the Marais area. Yes. And I remember the walking tour that we did where we learned the history of various buildings, etc. Yes. A walking tour guide was amazing. She was an amazing source of knowledge. Mm. It's a very inexpensive but valuable way to see and learn about Paris. Yes, I think it was only about 12 euro or something for the whole you, tour. Mm. It was great. It was. And we also visited the Picasso Museum. The building alone was magnificent with a beautiful wrought iron decorative staircase. Apparently there's over 5,000 works of art, I believe, from all different stages of Picasso's life, including painting, sculptures and etchings. I didn't know much about his art at the time, but I just knew about his more modern paintings. But this museum gave me a new understanding of him and the incredible talent. Yes, I learned a lot more about Picasso and 
the history of his art because like you, I really only knew his more modern pieces. But when I saw some of the etchings that were just exquisite, I felt like I had a much stronger connection to him than I had before. And I just appreciated the beauty of the building so much that we were able to wander through. I love some of those lesser well-known museums and galleries. They're just not crowded and sometimes they give you a better experience overall on your trip. And that Picasso Museum was one of them. There were little staircases and doorways that led to what must have originally been servants' quarters. And I just loved being able to peer through and explore little tucked away areas. Absolutely. And right nearby was another museum called the Museum Musée, I think it's Cognac J. And this museum had beautiful artwork and furniture too and was all, again, in a beautiful building itself, which used to be the Hotel Donan. And it was founded by Ernest Cognac and his wife, Louise J, who founded La Samaritaine Department Store in Paris. Um, Yes, so sometimes it's just nice to wander and then you come across another museum or something worth visiting when you're not really, you know, it's unplanned. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. One of my favourite museums is the Musée de Moyen-Âge, sometimes also called the Musée de Cluny, and it's right near the Jardin de Luxembourg and the Sorbonne and has the most beautiful tapestries and other items from the Middle Ages. I did plan to go there the first time I went there, but I loved it so much that I have just gone back every time I've gone to Paris, even just for half an hour to wander through and just feed my soul. There's one stained glass window there made in the 11th century, I think, and you can actually see in the glass the fingerprint of the person who made the window still imprinted. I just love that connection to something or someone in the past like that whilst just standing there in the middle of the Paris. So you have just such a wealth of knowledge, Karen, about Paris, but we can't <laughs> see everything on one trip. So where do you start to work out what you're going to see on an upcoming visit? Because if we just put a list in front of ourselves, it would be as long as your arm. How do you cut it down and work out what you're going to see? Well, it depends, I guess, if there's a particular museum or a particular painter or something that I'm interested in. And often it can flow from there. You can start Googling something and Mm. it just opens a whole world of information Mm. about that person. And then it will go, well, if you go to this museum, it's worth looking at this one and Mm. or you read about the hotel you're staying at or another hotel in the same area and it's been decorated by an artist that inspires you then to go on and find out about yeah um you just have to research and these connections just follow through and having the internet now just makes it so easy it does and i think there's probably sometimes when you're traveling with other people well i try to get one thing that they would each like to see so what's your one not missable item that you want to have as part of your itinerary and then if you get that from each person then it might start to build from there I also if it's just me like to start with the things that I might want to see that are in the Paris Pass and I place Mm -hmm. those things on consecutive days because the Paris Pass has to be used on consecutive days now the Paris Pass has all the major museums as you said earlier and galleries as part of the deal, but also loads of the more obscure little gems that are dotted all over Paris. I just think it's such good value. Even if you don't spend the money that it costs to get into all of these places, the saving in not having to queue in Paris, the saving of time is priceless because you're not going to have that time again. So it's worth buying, even if it's just to not have to queue to go into most of these places that are very popular. I then look at all the other things on my list when I've made a list of things I want to see 
And I group them together geographically to parts of Paris. And then I work out whether on each day I've got time to do that when I'm in that particular part of Paris because I always ensure that I don't have too many things on the list for each day as I think it's really important to leave plenty of time for spontaneous stuff that just pops up because those are sometimes the things that really enrich a visit. Absolutely. But I must say because Paris is so big and like you say, time often it keeps coming up, like you want to beat queues because you don't want to waste time. So it's important, I think, when you write a list of places you're interested in going, to do it per arrondissement so that you're in that area because you may not have time to then get back to that same area. Yeah, for example, if you're going to go to Sacré-Cœur, team that up with a wander through Montmartre because they're in the same area. (laughs) Or if you're going to go to Napoleon's tomb, then you would perhaps do that after going to the Eiffel Tower. By the way, if you're going to go to the Eiffel Tower, that's not on the Paris Pass. It's not on any kind of pass because everyone's going to go there regardless. If you're wanting to go up the Eiffel Tower, I have always found, and I know others that I've spoken to have found that Monday morning, as early as it opens, is the best time to go. The queues aren't yet so huge and you can go up unless, of course, you're going to be doing dinner or some night event there. The other major attraction with a time that I have found best to visit is the Louvre on a Friday night. The Louvre is open at night a couple of times a week and if you go at 5.30 or so when most people are leaving their sightseeing for the day and the tour buses that might have been bringing people to places have gone, then you can have a wander through. There'll be many less crowds and you'll get to have a really lovely experience that's not with all the jostling that you would get with when you've got, you know, squillions of people. Absolutely, yeah. Much more enjoyable then. To de fait. Now, before I let you go today, Karen, I just want to paint a picture for our Francophile listeners of a way to make their sightseeing a smooth and enjoyable day where they feel like they've been able to enjoy Paris in a way that feeds their soul. So what I would normally do in the morning is wake up in the Airbnb or hotel, have breakfast in a balcony if you have one, or head to a lovely cafe and grab something to eat either on the go or sit in, and then go off to whatever it is that you've planned for your day, a museum, or it might be something like the catacombs or a boat cruise. And after that, you can meander through the parks or along the river, stop for a spot of lunch at a cafe and people watch and listen to people around you speaking French. And through the afternoon, just go and find a little boutique and rummage through the French objet or go fashion shopping if that's your thing as well. And then in the evening, find a lovely little restaurant to have dinner that might be just close to where you're staying and finishing the day with a beautiful view of Paris out of your window. And before you find that restaurant for dinner, I think, is to find a little spot to sit and have an aperitif, (gasps) a de champagne before you wander out for the evening. Yes. You're very good at researching that, actually. You don't just research the places to visit as a sightseeing event, but you also research little aperitif places and little tiny holes in the wall where you can grab a bite to eat, don't you? I do, and I think that's what makes your holiday special and different from the previous holiday, especially if you've been to Paris a few times. Yes. Now, my Bellamy Karen, as you know, we always share a French recipe in each episode of Little Bell's Francophiles. Last time I chatted with you, we shared a recipe for escargot, I think. But what is another favourite delight that you look forward to when you're travelling to France? I 
do love escargot. That would be my go-to favourite in Paris. Me too. But one of my other favourites, and I do have a sweet tooth, is a very nice chocolate tart. (gasps) And I think the French always use the best quality chocolate when they make desserts and their chocolate tarts are fabulous. That with a glass of champagne is always (laughs) my (laughs) go-to. And maybe some raspberries on the side because I know you love your raspberries with champagne. Yes, indeed. Oh, a chocolate tart. We'll see if we can find a lovely chocolate tart recipe online and I will place that on the website. I might have to also put that on the request for my pool to make for dessert in the next couple of weeks. Now you've put it into my mind. The other thing that we always do is share some French music. Now, when I'm chatting to you in French and even with some of our French friends, I often describe the way I talk as franglais or even franglish. Sarah Swick, who is our lovely French correspondent, who is a friend to both you and I, she has described the way I speak like that because I tend to throw English words into the French and French words into the English. I also tend to forget which language I'm using and dissolve into a combo of both sometimes. This song that I'd like to share today reminds me of that. It is by a brilliant French artist, Ben Mazouet. Now, I have played Ben Mazouet songs on the Little Bells Francophiles podcast before, this song, Vincent On, which translates as 25 years, is about a man who is reveling in the freedom that being 25 years old brings and has a combination of French and English in it, which is why it reminds me of when I'm speaking in Franglais. And I just love it and I have it on repeat often. So Karen, merci for your amazing research again and for making the time to share your knowledge with us today. Merci, Lou, and I look forward to many more travels to Paris and France with you in the future. As soon as we can, yes, oh, definitely. To the fay. And here is Ben Mazouet with Vincent Con. En soirée à part, il y a deux types de dragueuses, celle des salons, les danseuses, et celle des cuisines et des balcons, les parleuses. Elle, c'était une parleuse, elle avait de la bouteille. C'était très agréable d'ailleurs de parler avec elle, le genre, elle n'était jamais vraiment loin de toi pendant toute la soirée. C'est la coïncidence heureuse des filles qui provoquent l'occasion sans trop la provoquer, abordent sans déborder d'une façon prudente et silencieuse. Et tout s'accélère lorsqu'elle parle, c'est comme un appât qu'elle vous tendait avec ses cils. Elle vous a ferré et son arme réside dans sa manière de vous relancer, sa cible, vous séduire, en commençant par vous faire rire. Quelques naïves confessions qui permettent de penser qu'elle n'est pas maladroite en talons compensés comme simple tenue et que vous seriez sûrement très bien tenu. Et même si c'est déjà vendu, même si l'évidence est rendue, on traîne souvent longtemps sur le palier de la séduction avant de se hisser vers un enlacement salivaire quand on est une dragueuse de cuisine et de balcon, on préfère. Elles sont plus franches du collier On se séduit d'accord mais pour vite s'embrasser Là je sais qu'il y aura rien Jusqu'à ce qu'en trois minutes j'ai entre mes mains C'est ça Elle connaît tout le monde Elle a quelques rives vagabondes Le corps joliment dessiné, elle est bien habillée Elle a 35 ans, elle me l'a dit mais ça se voyait J'ai pas été surpris 35 ans ça fait 10 ans de plus que moi 10 ans de plus Imagine moi si je draguais 10 ans moins que moi 
pas de passion pour les filles plus vieilles, en particulier, loin de moi l'idée de penser que c'est un défi ou une case à cocher, mais elle n'adage que l'expérience en plus, elle a pas changé de vie, pas de marmots en bas âge, de maison dans le Vaucluse et surtout pas de mari. Donc ça me fait une raison de plus de parculer, alors vas-y continue de parler, continue. Je n'ai qu'une seule et même idée. La soirée se finit, et la soirée continue, rejoins-moi, tu m'as dit, et j'ai pas répondu, mais je te garantis que c'est marché conclu. Ben Mazway with Vank Sankon. Now, before the song, my Bellamy Karen mentioned some different ideas to add to a Paris trip itinerary. Whilst it may be a while until we can return, if you're like me, planning and researching for a vacances en France is helping loads right now. One of my interests is Bricante, which is able to be added to your itinerary by a day trip to Clignancourt. But unfortunately, many of the things I find in France won't fit my suitcase to come home. In 2020, I connected with a terrific online business called Villa Maison. I bought some vintage bouchons, which are the antique-style champagne stoppers, and they were delivered right to my door. Ellie from Villa Maison searches lots of vintage markets across southern France, and then we can go brocante shopping online and choose from her finds. Donc, c'est tout pour le label francophile aujourd'hui. Follow Lulubel's Francophiles on Insta to be notified when new episodes are released or subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. You may also wish to head to the Lulubel's Francophiles website. That's Lou, L-O-U, La, Bells, B-E-L-L-E-S, and Francophiles with two Fs dot com. That's where I will place the links for all of the interesting tidbits from today's chat and together we can stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Au revoir et à bientôt, mes amis.